You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Welcome to the Nerd Room, where we talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This is episode number 94. We're discussing the new Star Wars trilogy and live-action TV show, and ramping up a little bit of that excitement for Justice League. I'm on your host, Tim. I'm Troy. And we're short one man this week. Sanjay is down and out. He is sick with excitement for the Justice League. He opted out of coming and recording the podcast to make sure that he was well enough to go see Justice League in just two short days. Actually, on the day this podcast drops, we'll be heading to the theater to see Justice League. He is immensely excited for that. And we're going to get into discussing what we want to see out of this new Justice League movie. And I know that sometimes I'm a bit biased one way. Troy, you kind of balance it out a little bit. And Sanjay, he very much sits in that DC fandom. And next week when we actually review Justice League... We're bringing on a fourth member into the nerd room. Rob Cass from TSW Comics, TSW Roundtable, and the Roman Podcast will be joining us to balance out the table a bit. He himself leans a bit more to the DC side of things. And we offered for him to come into the nerd room to help us review Justice League. This is a big movie, a big movie for DC. And I'm excited to discuss it. I'm trying to go in with an open mind. We haven't seen any reviews yet. So, Troy... How you feeling about Justice League? How you like is it is it there for you yet? This wasn't on your top ten list for anticipated movies for 2017. It seemingly has come up the charts for you. How you feeling at this very moment? Yeah, man. Uh hats off to DC. Their marketing campaign sure has sure has uh, kicked it up. I'm totally on board now. I can't wait to see this film. I was actually, you know, texting Sanjay back and forth today, letting him know, like, dude, I'm right there with you. I can't wait to see this film. Um, it's probably the last appearance we see of uh, Ben Affleck's Batman, yep. which, uh, you know, we've been talking about for a while. But, you know, all in all, I'm excited. I think Wonder Woman was the right foot in the right direction. I'm still a big fan of uh, Man of Steel, but I can't wait to see what fun they bring in this film. Yeah, so you're basically riding two for two, kind of. You've got two yeah. good films. Two not-so-great films. I'm kind of sitting in the same boat as you. I'm going into this cautiously optimistic. Without that bias, I'm going to try to be fair and give this an actual chance. I don't want to go into this film on a sour note. I want to go in expecting to have fun and enjoy the story that they tell me, the story that they put in front of me. So we're going to get into a little bit more Justice League and DC talk a little bit later on in the podcast. But this past week has been an absolutely enormous week for Star Wars. Now, we haven't talked Star Wars in a couple episodes because we've been buried in Thor reviews. And what they were able to release in the lead-up to The Last Jedi last Thursday absolutely rocked the Star Wars fandom base. I cannot believe the announcements they made of a new Star Wars trilogy coming from Ryan Johnson as well as something that kind of flew a bit under the radar is this new live-action show from Star Wars, from the universe of Star Wars, which is going to be put onto the new Disney streaming service in 2019. Now, it's, it's unreal what we're getting here. I cannot believe that they dropped this news this close to The Last Jedi. 
What are your kind of high-level initial reactions to the news of this new Star Wars trilogy by Ryan Johnson? We'll start off with that, and then we'll jump into the live action. And then we're going to follow that up with a little bit of Star Wars collecting update, because we got a bunch of stuff that we want to talk about there, too. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I can't wait to dive into this one. Um, Totally amped with this news. This news is crazy. Uh, To me, right off the bat, this shows Disney and Lucasfilm is 100% confident in Ryan Johnson. Oh, yeah them to come out here you know waving the flag like hey we like our golden boy our new guy here and we're going to give you three more uh movies brought to you by this guy i believe he's writing <clears throat> i believe he's writing and directing the first one yep. the first installment and then the other two i don't know but he's still overall you know foreseeing the whole um trilogy so i'm totally pumped i i'm really really hoping it is uh, an old republic story and the only reason why i say that is because i'm still going with this theory that the Last Jedi couldn't maybe be their first insight into the new canon's origin of the Jedi. Yeah. And if he's presented that to Lucasfilm and this audience, then who better to have him helm the Old Republic than Ryan Johnson? That's exactly <clears throat> my thoughts. I, I'm completely on board with this. I'm super stoked. I, I love the idea of creatively spinning off and doing something very different, very separate from the Skywalker saga and very separate from this time frame that we've been in with what we're going to see with Solo, with Rogue One, and what we're seeing with the new trilogy. I'm excited to give them a little bit of a break after Episode Nine. I'm looking forward to what's coming, but I'm also looking forward to a new direction here. And I was right there with you with The Old Republic, kind of this KOTOR storyline. Yes. One thing I'm just going to read here, some of the, and just kind of paraphrase a bit, the press release from Star Wars. And the key points here that I wanted to point out is that, one, you're right, they are giving a huge vote of confidence to Ryan Johnson, to The Last Jedi. That was like my first thought. I was like, okay, they think that The Last Jedi is incredible. And that because they've had a bit of turmoil behind the scenes with the production of their films, it seems like they've landed on their guy and they're going to keep him as this Kevin Feige-esque, this showrunner, if you will, for this next trilogy to keep it on lockdown and keep him in behind the scenes, whether he's writing, directing, just overall shepherd of this new trilogy to make sure it goes off without the hitches that they've seen or that we've seen with the production of Rogue One, the Han Solo film or Solo, I guess, and Colin Trevorrow and what, what's the other guy's name from Fantastic Four? Um, that they get booted off him oh, early on. Oh, uh, Josh, Josh Trank. Josh Trank, yeah. So <clears throat> we've had all this turmoil behind the scenes and it seems like that they've kind of steadied the ship. They've got a direction they want to go in and they've chosen their man. This, this new George Lucas, if you will, to helm and drive forward this new narrative, this new story in Star Wars. But if we, sure. if we look at the press release, it says here that in shepherding this new trilogy, talking about Ryan Johnson, which is separate from the episodic Skywalker saga, Johnson will introduce new characters from a corner of the galaxy that Star Wars lore has never been explored before. And that's an interesting statement in itself because... The one thing, I don't know if they're playing with words here a little bit or not, but when they're talking about a portion of Star Wars lore that has never been explored before, I don't know if they're referring to the new canon has never explored it or Star Wars stories in general have never explored it. What's your kind of take on that? Do you think that they're just speaking of basically from Phantom Menace or those Yoda stories in the comic books right through until episode nine or... Do you think they're actually talking about every story that's ever been told within Star the Star Wars universe? Yeah, I think it's to uh, to the film division. I think it's new canon and the film division because yeah. we've never tackled on the older public. Even if you look at the uh, the current video game that's going on on the PC, 
the online massive MMO, um, it's been pretty much dead. We haven't heard anything from the old canon or from the old era of the old republic it's always been you know this episode three episode four timeline yeah and we've had like the aftermath series but we haven't gone back in that history so yeah i don't know it's, it's hard to say i mean the fanboy me wants it to be the old republic but i mean going off that statement it could really be it could just completely be new territory that we've never experienced yeah it's it's difficult because the only thing or the only issue i see with like a kotor adaptation is is ryan johnson the right guy for that and also in this time frame that we're sitting in right now, basically between episode three and Empire Strikes Back, we'll say where we're seeing a lot of the new canon material drop into with the comic books and most of the novels. And then you're actually, you step outside and go to the Force Awakens era. But you almost want to get outside of having these bounds of canon and do something completely different. Now, Quarter, you end up with not the current canon constraints, but you end up with stories that are beloved by a lot of Star Wars fans, and they're going to be looking for something very specific. So right there, to me, you put yourself into a corner of having to tell a Revan story, a Bane story, which would be great to see, but you're already maybe drawing a line in the sand and and giving Ryan Johnson a, a much more difficult task in producing a film that already has these very lofty expectations as to what it's supposed to be. To me, you bring Ryan Johnson into this because of their confidence in his ability to be creative and craft something different. So I'm thinking uh, somewhere in the past, but maybe not quite all the way back to the old Republic. Because the other thing that you don't want to do with this, and this is something that we can kind of hash out here a little bit, is is... How do you actually craft these? How do you do this to make it feel fresh, tell a different story without retreading what's been done before? Like, do you tell a story of a Jedi? Do you tell a story of just a Sith? Or do you go and do something more like Solo and Rogue One where they focus in on more or less normal individuals living within that Star Wars universe, making references to a Jedi Order of some sort, making reference to the Sith, and having the universe around them exist, but they're actually just characters within that. Like, What are your thoughts on how they should actually structure this? Should it be Force and Jedi-centric or adjacent to all that like we've seen with the Star Wars story films? Oh, we go full on Jedi. We go yeah. full on Jedi um, and Sith. We go back there, you know, with these movies, we've never really experienced the uh, the temples either. We've seen a little bit of stuff like that in, in Rebels and even in the comic books. But in the, in the films, we've never really seen like the Jedi temples or the, the Jedi artifacts or, or the Sith temples or anything like that. So I think, you know, if you go back to, was it Typhoon or Typhon, the planet or any of those kind of old planets where, where the, the origins of these Jedi start. Or even if you go back to Jeddah, because it seems like Jeddah has some kind of connection obviously yeah. with the Jedi. And you could go way back there and kind of explore that aspect. But I feel like we've had like Rogue One. So that was like zero Jedi. So I don't feel like we need to have three movies on that. Um, It's tricky though, because I know George Lucas did want to bring Darth Bane more to the forefront. If you go back to Clone Wars, they did basically confirm in those arcs that he is officially canon. They did want to put Darth Revan in, but they just never had the time to do it. So that's why I also have another inkling that maybe they will kind of shine some more light on Revan. This could be the time to do it. But... Again, you'd have to give it a big spin. Um, you know, going back to uh, Force Awakens, you know, we have uh, Kylo Ren, who in a sense is kind of a spin on, like, was it Ben? Is it Ben Skywalker? Ben Skywalker, yeah. And is... Right? So, yeah, so we've kind of had a spin already on those characters. So we kind of have seen them take these characters and kind of change them in a certain way. They could do it. But, ah, it's tough to say. Revan is a, is a huge fan favorite. So is um, 
Darth Bane. So they would have to be careful how they handle those kind of characters. Yeah, because you already have a construct, right? You already have a character archetype built into that. And you already there lose some of your creative freedom in developing a villain or an anti-hero or something to that effect, right? And I would love to see Revan on screen, personally. I, I'm not a huge Kotor reader, or I've never been into that universe. But at the same time, I like the idea and the design of the characters, if, if I can say that. And I like the idea, too, of going back and revisiting kind of the origins of the Jedi almost like yes. you think about what Ryan Johnson could be setting up in the last Jedi and how they could leverage that into this story. Mm-hmm. I think the connection point there, you've already almost made it. Yeah. And so you can explore whether it's Snoke or the origins of the Jedi that we get explained to us in the last Jedi, as we're presuming to happen. There's a lot you could see there and go back and revisit a lot of that. My initial concern with some of that is I want to see a different type of story. I don't want to revisit what we saw in the prequels. Now, I really liked the prequels, but I want this to be the opportunity to clean slate a Star Wars story and do something extremely different. And you need all the elements that we're used to in a Star Wars universe, particularly in the first film. But at the same time, it's about paving new ground. And I think Ryan Johnson is the guy to do that. But they have to be very careful. Like, this is already a very daunting task. And it's something that I think that he's willing to take on. But it's going to be very hard because fandom, we're not, you know, we're very critical of this universe and these films that we really love. Mm -hmm. And what they've delivered over the past couple of years has proven that they're able to produce fantastic stories, great movies, and standout characters. So if they continue to roll with that, I just have the utmost confidence in what they're able to do and what they're going to do with this. And this brings a whole new element too for us in comic books, novels, collecting. It just blows this universe up to the nth degree. We're essentially having two major sagas being told back to back because it seems like the release dates on these. Now, there's nothing firm, but it seems like they've gone down the path of having, we're going to have episode nine in 2019, followed by hopefully a Kenobi story. And then you have every other year you have one of these new saga films. And in between there, you land with your Star Wars story films, your anthology films, your, your, your standalones. And then it seems like by the time we get to 2027, we could revisit the Force Awakens timeline with the 50th anniversary. So I think fandom in themselves have already had this idealized schedule for how the next 10 years of Star Wars is going to look, which just blows my mind that we're discussing kind of like an MCU slate of films where they're setting out the next decade worth of storytelling and saying it's coming. You don't know what it is, but holy shit, here we go. And it is an incredible feeling. Like what a time we say this constantly on the podcast is what a time to be a Star Wars fan. What a time to be within nerddom. Like it's, it's crazy to me that almost out of the blue, they just announced this. Like, there was no prep, there was no leakage anywhere of this actually happening, and it kind of puts a bit of an explanation point and and solves that that mystery as to why Ryan Johnson didn't pick up episode 9, because he was tapped for this already. And J.J. Abrams now seems like an even better choice, because you're freeing up Ryan Johnson to do something completely different. Yes, yeah. No, I'm I'm right there with me, and it's it's unbelievable what they're doing here, and I just, I can't wait to to see more of this lore of what they're what they're giving us here 
Yeah, man, it's it's something else. It tr- it truly is a special time to be a Star Wars fan. And we're yes. going to be podcasting well into our 40s now, man, <laughs> which is an incredible feeling. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. <laughs> so one thing that I, I want to discuss here quickly with this is, I for whatever reason, thinking about this for the last almost week, I have come across and tried to think, how are they going to market this? How are they going to title this saga? Like, we've got a Star Wars story tacked on to the individual standalone films. We've got Star Wars The Last Jedi titled with the new saga films. Now, how are they, or how do you think they're going to actually title these? Are these going to be Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic or something to that effect? Or do you think they're going to step back from using Star Wars as the main tag and try to do something different like Knights of the Old Republic, a Star Wars saga story? Like, How do you think they're going to market all this to make sure people still know that this is a Star Wars film, even in the absence of the familiar characters like Rey, Finn, Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Chewie? Yeah, it's tough to say because um, that all depends. It's all riding on The Last Jedi. I think we're going to have a little bit more answers, at least after that. Um, I think, you know, obviously going back to the Old Republic, though, if that is the movie they're doing, you, you definitely capitalize off Knights of the Old Republic or Star Wars The Old Republic, and you can kind of have your title cards after or underneath that title of the fact that it is the Old Republic. So I think they play around with that, but it's, it's just it's so hard to tell at this state because we just we don't know exactly where they're going with this film. It could, it could be anywhere. And it's pure skepticism at this point. Like, we don't know what's going on. And I love that we just have this now. It's something that we're going to get just slow dribbles of news over the next couple of years leading into them actually announcing what the title is. Like, look how long it took them to announce Solo for that title like they were all the way through production before they told you the title like how long are we gonna have to wait to understand or to get the title for this new film like i'm thinking maybe celebration 2019 we may get a bit more insight as to what ryan johnson's doing that's a long ways away like 2019 seems to be a big year for star wars we're talking the live action we're talking galaxy's edge in star wars land at the disneyland celebration and then also what potentially could be the build-up to these films. We could be a year out from one of these new trilogy films come 2019. So, man, it's... What a time. And now we got Crazy. this live-action show that they've announced, too, that, like I said, kind of flew under the radar in the shadow of this massive announcement of this new trilogy. Now, what's cool about this and what Bob Iger has been saying, and it seems to make a lot of sense because we heard recently they're trying to buy a division or a part of Fox... And it seems like they're trying to build up a bit of their catalog of films and TV shows to actually put forward this new Disney streaming service. And Iger said, and the really only thing he said beyond the announcement that we're going to have a live action Star Wars TV series is that it's going to be substantially lower cost than Netflix. And so I'm already really happy about that. My money's spent because the Star Wars TV show and they also announced their Marvel TV show is going to be dropping onto this. But Again, let's speculate, man. Like, what do you think, or how do you think they're going to adapt this TV series? What stories? How do you think they're going to put this to screen? What's this going to look like? Yeah, this is this is a hard one. You know, um, I'm not a betting person, but if I had to put my money on it, and if anything kind of lines up the way I think it would, I think Dave Filoni could maybe possibly be behind this live action. Maybe that could be his foot into the door to actually directing a future film because he's never tackled live action yet, but he has tackled the whole TV division. Yep. I think he has a great 
vision. You know, he, he's on my my Mount Rushmore of uh, Star Wars people. If you go back to that episode over at Tumbling Saber, but um, yeah, I totally think he could head this whole series, and especially he was working close with George Lucas back when George Lucas wanted to do, I think, that Underworld yeah film uh, TV series of some sort. So. I think it could be him leading it, but I just don't know where they're going to take it. It could be, I don't know, maybe furthering the story of Ezra. I, I just I have no idea, but maybe we're going to get a more mature audience. We're definitely getting a more mature audience with it being live action. And uh, man, this is a huge selling point for me. I mean, Disney releases a streaming service. Of course, you're going to get it. But now on top of that, they're giving you Marvel product and a live action Star Wars. It's just like... You know, that's the end all be all right there for me. Yeah, something we've been waiting for for what seems like forever, right? There's always been yeah. these rumors, Stars Underworld, this thirteen thirteen or whatever it's called. That yes. It yeah. was it was these darker, more adult focused storytelling in the Star Wars universe that's put forward in an episodic TV show. Like it sounds fantastic. It's it's crazy that they've waited this long to actually do that. And this seems like the right platform. Of course, they're going to use this to dangle that carrot in front of everyone to put this this new Star Wars show up on a pedestal and say, hey, everyone come into this new streaming service. We've got this TV show. We've got a Marvel TV show as well. And then we've got all of our movies, all of our, our core franchises in Star Wars, Marvel, and Disney Pixar. So it seems like the right foot forward for the streaming service. They had to really do this. Yeah. And I agree with you. And I think a lot of fandom agrees with you with Dave Filoni. He seems to be the one that is floating out there. Like he's given a lot of hints that he stepped back a bit from the animation. He's working on something different. He's had a lot of discussions with Ryan Johnson saying things like he's been learning from the masters. So yeah. a lot of this makes sense. And I really see him less of a director and more of a showrunner in the way that we have the showrunners for the individual MCU Daredevil Netflix series. So he has this creative control over the entirety of the series and maybe directing maybe the first two episodes and then coming in for the season finale or something like that. Yes. But I see this as a real opportunity for them to bring in different directors, slightly different writers, and have this be almost this exploration tool for the Star Wars universe to, to figure out where they can push the limits of this and maybe leverage this later into some sort of film. Like maybe they'll explore a bit of comedy in the Star Wars universe, something a bit darker sometimes and kind of changing up the tones and color palettes like we've seen with films like Ragnarok and Guardians of the Galaxy and just seeing what they can tweak in this universe to make things slightly different. And really what I see them doing this with is more of a bounty hunter style of TV show where you have a crew, maybe they rotate through, and they're really just kind of running around the galaxy. It gives you a lot of leeway to explore different planets, have small cameos, go to familiar areas, but also drive through a new narrative that introduces you to new characters, new planets, new ideas within the Star Wars universe. I think they really have to have something that allows you to expand it all and just sit slightly adjacent to, say, a Star Wars Rebels or a Clone Wars where you have a lot of focus in on the Force and Jedis. I think this could be a way that they're telling different stories more likened to, say, Solo and Rogue One that are slightly removed from the Jedi, removed from the Force and the Sith. That's kind of what I want to see from this new live action TV series. Again, it's about paving new directions, paving new ways for our Star Wars universe to propel it way into the future. Because at some point, they have to find themselves doing things that are a bit more risky within the universe. They need to test this. And do they want to test this with a billion dollar potential film? Probably not. Could you do this within a live action TV show? I think so. Well, definitely. You, you mentioned it. Um, if they go the bounty hunter route, 
it's definitely a lot easier on the budget as opposed to if you're using force powers and, you know, uh, force lightning and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's pretty high up there. But if you do stick in the bounty hunter, the rogue one kind of style, then that's a lot easier for you to, you know, do your 12 or 22 episodes. Yeah. And you could, you could really shine the light on characters like Dengar Dan or Bosk or Cad Bane in live action, Boba Fett even. So you could bring a lot of familiar characters that really don't have a ton of background in the new canon. And I'd really love to see them expand those stories and use this as a way to, to tell stories similar to from a certain point of view, where you're telling short stories about maybe different bounty hunters. And as the story develops, you kind of get a defenders type thing where eventually they all kind of come together and are chasing after a similar goal or a similar MacGuffin. Like, I think you could really do a lot there and have the individual episodes be slightly different, different directors, slightly different takes on the characters, which is maybe a bit lighter in some of them, a bit darker, and have it all come together in almost like this crossover event towards the end of the live or towards the end of the, the TV series. So that's kind of what I got rolling around in my head. And I really want it to be a tool for the universe to see where they can go, to see what they can do. Because outside of that, I really don't see where else they can do that. Yeah, yeah, I'm there with you. Um, I'm totally positive, totally excited about this whole thing. And then I really do hope, uh, like you mentioned, you know, if Dave Filoni gets that um, kind of showrunner kind of role, then he gets to direct every now and then just to get him ready for that day when he can finally give us a, a live action Ahsoka film, man. There's there's so much potential that there's a lot of these standalones that they could be pushing for. Live action Ahsoka, that seems right up Filoni's alley after he has a bit of time to explore himself within the live action realm. Yes. Or a film about wolves. I'll take you to her. Yeah, just a documentary. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Well, that kind of wraps it up for those two huge announcements. And this is something that's going to be consuming a lot of the podcast probably over the next couple of years. And I'm really looking forward to digging deep into this when we do get a little bit more information about that. And I'm excited about the potential for expanding comic books for new action figures beyond what we've seen before and, and just getting really deep into a lot of this. It's it's exciting time to be a Star Wars fan. Oh, always. Yeah. And from a different perspective here, is it is still exciting to be a Star Wars fan, even if you're just collecting these days, because man, has it been just unreal. We went through this real lull, this drought almost of Star Wars collecting into the summer, but now it is unreal. I'm finding almost everything. It's like I walked into a Walmart the other day and I took a picture. I posted this on Twitter. There was 400 Black Series Wave 2 figures. I'm not joking. 400 on one in one aisle on one end. That's crazy. I couldn't believe it. Like I picked up the Maz, the Praktorian Guard and the General Leia Organa all on sale too for like 22, 24 bucks. So I was really happy about that. Save five, seven bucks on each one. But I left the Poe and I left the Finn because I know they're going to be Peg Mormon. I don't know if that is acting as somewhat of a pseudo distribution center for Walmarts in Calgary. But I, like I walked right by it too when I walked into the Walmart. I didn't even see it until I was almost exiting. I looked back at me. I was like, whoa, what is this? And it's just literally this massive wall of Black Series figures. And then I got... Our dude over at Tumbling Saber, Corey, sent me the Force Ghost Obi-Wan or the Force Spirit Obi-Wan, as it's called. Mint looks awesome. I started to see those show up in EB Games here in Calgary as well. I'm happy he was able to secure me one. And then also I had my hands on the Throne Room Snoke. And man, have you seen that? It, it's gorgeous. I saw it. I saw it. I've been out there. I saw it on the hunt um, yesterday. I saw him. It's a, it's a nice, I think it's like 40 bucks, so it's yeah. not bad. 
that's pretty reasonable. Um, it's a nice looking figure, man. It's really nice. He's huge. Oh, it's 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 better than I expected it to be. Because when yeah. I saw it at first, it was like, I'm for sure in. Then I saw the price tag, and I was like, ah. Eh. But now having it in hand, I don't actually have it in hand. Because I had it in hand. And I put it back, and I went down the way to the another toy store with my daughter. And then I'm walking back, and I said to my wife, all right, I'm just going to scoot in and grab it. I need to get it. And yeah. she goes, I don't know if you should. And I'm thinking, like, why not? Like, it's, like I, I'm always buying action figures. She's like, I don't know if you should. And then I kind of got the hint. <laughs> so it looks like that's going to be under the Christmas tree this year. Nice. <laughs> but, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited to finally eventually get my hands on that. But it, it's a lot nicer than I thought it was going to be. And it, to me, it's a definite recommend if you can grab it. The only problem was is that it seems this is consistent too because I was listening to the guys at Tumbling Saber today and they said that they've seen it out in the stores and EB Games. And the boxes were all beat up. Same experience for me out here. The boxes were all nicked up and beat up. I tried to grab the best one, and I put it aside. And I kind of went back around to EB Games, and my wife had grabbed the one I put aside. <laughs> so I know I got a good box. <laughs> well played. <laughs> but no, yeah, what, what else have you been finding on the pegs lately? Oh, man, everything. Uh, once you told me about that that Wave 2's hit with um, the, Force, the Force Awakens with The Last Jedi, I grabbed Maz. I found, I found a Maz Kanata. And I found a. I haven't found the Leia yet. I've, I've picked up like three Kylo Rens because I'm in a process right now where I'm, I'm working on a, a new Anakin figure because I love that character. Um, and I've picked up a bunch of the Defender lines for the Marvel Legends. They've they, hit hard they, too, they, eh? They hit hard. I got Blade. I got Daredevil, obviously, Jessica Jones. And I have the Punisher. Punisher's great. He's a really cool figure. And um, I got a little bit more of the Thor line. I'm only down two more figures. So I need. The Hela and Ares. Yeah. That's about it. And I, I managed to find another Spider-Man Homecoming figure because that's another one of my favorite characters. So, yeah, it's been good, man. The hunt's been awesome. I've just been slacking on my comics. Sorry to Alpha Comics, but I need to come around next week to uh, to stock up. because Fat I'm running... stack. Oh, man, it's going to be huge. It's going to be <laughs> huge. <laughs> now, it's been a little while since we actually talked collecting. And in between the last time we talked collecting and now, I actually was fortunate enough to go on business to China. Fortunate enough, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but it was actually it was a cool experience. I'd never been to Asia before. And we had a bit of opportunity while I was there to run around to, to some of the markets and that. And one of the things I was a bit focused on going in there was trying to see if I could find knockoff Star Wars items. And man, were they there like everywhere. Just plethora of ripoff Star Wars items. Now, I didn't spend too much money. I didn't want to get into kind of carrying back statues and all this stuff. But yeah. I did pick up a few funny things. I grabbed a Yoda and a BB-8 keychain from this random shop for like a buck each. I'm going to play here the sound effect for Yoda. And you tell me, guys, how fake this sounds. All right, here we go. Now, I'd like to consider myself somewhat of a, maybe a connoisseur of Star Wars. I don't know. Fairly involved with fandom, I would say. Yeah. That doesn't sound like any Yoda I've ever heard. No, I'd say Green Goblin. I mean, that's about as close as it gets for me. Yeah, and I guess it's, it's quite funny just seeing all this stuff. And it sounds ridiculous and it looks ridiculous. And I got this little BB-8 as well. It was a lot of fun. I wanted a few Star Wars souvenirs. And those are two of the things I grabbed. And I also grabbed these knockoff Lego things. They're called Lots, L-O-Z, Diamond Block. Now, these, these really tiny Lego blocks, I guess. And they look a lot like those brick heads that you see in stores now that are almost like Lego Funko Pops. 
and I grabbed two of them. I'll, I'll throw a picture up on Twitter. I grabbed a Darth Vader. Now, he has a yellow lightsaber. <laughs> and I grab a Captain America. And the shield looks a little bit wonky, but they're pretty cool. Now, I haven't taken them out of the box yet because the freaking block size is like millimeters. <laughs> and I don't know if my hands are small enough. They're five millimeters by eight millimeters, the blocks. So they're kind of cool. They look good in the box. I may build them someday. I don't know. But those are the kind of four things I brought back from China. But it's it's quite funny because I saw like even Marvel figures from Civil War on card backs that I've never seen before. Everything was out of box. Like nothing was really on the cards. There's a lot of Iron Man statues that were all painted orange and yellow colors and all that. And there's a few, there's a lot of Vaders actually, just kind of like Samurai Vaders, wrong country for Samurai, but the Samurai <laughs> style of Vaders and all that. So China is a place, if if you were collecting, it's it's completely different than anything we get here. And it was kind of cool to see all the different stuff. Like, I like what we get here, but having a few souvenirs from over in Asia, some knockoff stuff, I was really looking forward to that, and I'm glad I grabbed these few things. Well, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm curious if you ever put those, uh, those lots together. Yeah. Is lots a thing in, like, Canada or the U.S.? Never heard of them before. Never heard of them. No, I don't know. Like, I've seen some smaller kind of, like, Flego, like, fake Lego. Right. But I have no idea. Like, there's stores just literally packed with these things. There's some that were, you know, these are only probably, I'd say, maybe two, three inches tall. And there's some that were, like, six inches. There's, like, a knockoff helicarrier that was there. There was everything. A lot of Spider-Man stuff, too, actually. Oh, of course. Tons. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) So the last thing I want to touch on here before we move into a bit more of the Marvel territory is the Star Wars Elite series. Now, last time we talked a bit about collecting, I was talking about this kind of staged release of the Elite series. Now, these are the Disney Store exclusive six-inch die-cast figures, and we've kind of had some issues with them. The armored figures look great. The human figures, eh, I could take her or leave them. Yeah. But they've been doing the stage release since October 27th, and they're doing it, I think it's every Tuesday or something, at 1 o'clock they drop a case of these new Elite Series figures. And because what we've seen in the stores and Disney stores here in Calgary and probably across the U.S. and Canada is that these really shelf camp. Like, they don't go anywhere. The, the original release for The Last Jedi, the first wave, are still stacked very deep. I'm waiting for them to go on discount because they will. They'll drop in half, as you saw with the Rogue One and the Force Awakens line. Now, with this stage release, it seemed like they were doing something a little different, which gave me a little bit of that plastic anxiety. So I've been going into Disney stores recently asking them how they're releasing these. Are they limited releases? Because that changes my perspective on how I collect these. If it's limited releases, I'm going in and getting these each and every week. Now, I went in and it was after the release of the Chewbacca as well as Finn in the First Order disguise. So this was about a week or so ago. Since then, the Poe Dameron and today, actually, the Rose and BB-8 dropped. So that's a figure, again, that we haven't quite got in the Black series yet. So I'm expecting that to go. But I went and talked to the Disney reps at the store and a couple of the managers, too, just to ask them and get a little bit more information as to how they're being released. So they're not being raffled off. That's clear. They are getting limited shipments on the day of release, but they are getting subsequent cases after the fact. 
So these aren't being shipped in limited qualities, quantities, sorry, as far as I know, as far as the manager at the Disney store is telling me. So my recommendation on these Elite Series, if you are collecting them, is if there's a particular character that you're really interested in, like I'm going to go for the Supreme Leader Snoke, which drops on December 5th. I may grab the Phasma, which drops the week before that on the 28th. But outside of that, I'm going to wait for the rest of these to go on discount. Because even the Chewbacca... They've scaled it properly. It's very, very heavy, and it comes with a couple porgs. So I had in my hand, I was literally seconds away from buying this thing and actually resisted. So I'm hoping that my prediction is right on waiting on these a little bit to see if they do actually discount. But it is a little different. These shouldn't be as hard to find as, say, the Darth Maul or the Anakin or Vader or anything like that from that initial release that was a raffle release, I think, in 2015 in the lead-up to The Force Awakens. So... Recommendation right now on these is be patient. Maybe grab the Snoke. This Rose and BB-8 may have went fairly quickly because it's still a character we haven't seen in the Black series. But again, if you are collecting these, maybe be a little patient. That's my, my cautionary tale for collecting this week is be patient on the Elite Series. They will come back, I think. I'm curious to to know, um, are you interested at all in the um, the new Disney line? I think it's Disney Toy Box. It's um, Marvel Heroes. It's, I think, Toy Story characters yeah. and Star Wars. It's basically the Infinity Line from way back, but they're articulated. They yeah. look pretty cool. I did see those, and yeah. I wasn't really aware of them until I heard Kyle or something say were talking about them. And so he's really interested in them. I went and looked at them. I, I still don't know yet. They're about 15 bucks. Okay, that's not, that's not bad. They're what, like four inches? Five? Yeah, four inches, and their sculpts look pretty good. The paint applications yeah. look good, too. So I don't know yet. I think if they discount yeah. to about seven bucks, I'll probably go after them. But yeah. right now they're kind of on the bubble for me. They're Disney exclusives too, right? Disney stuff. Yeah, exclusive. I think so. So yeah. if, if they do show up or they do have other characters, like I think right now there was a Ray, a Kylo, mm, I wanna say maybe Chewie. I, I might be wrong. Remember. Might be wrong there. Yeah, I only remember the the, the Marvel ones, which is Iron Man. Thor Hulk and Hulk, and, yeah. and there is Spider-Man, but Spider-Man's kind of the hard one to get right now. So there is okay. four for that one. And then the, on the back of the box, there's like three mystery characters coming out for each line, like the Toy Story, the Marvel, and the Star Wars. Okay, well, yeah, I think, yeah. sit and wait on those, I think, for me. Yeah. I think it's going to have to be more of a pick and choose, kind of like the Funko Pop line for me. Right. I'm right. going to just wait out and see how they go. And it, and it's one of those things, too, you always risk not getting them from the first time you see them and then you never see them again. I'm not too worried about Disney store exclusives on that. Cause they usually don't really go anywhere. No, like they usually have enough stock between the three or four Disney stores we have in Calgary. It's usually not that hard to find things if you're willing to wait it out. Yeah. So, ah, man, again, collecting next level. I found myself a couple porgs, Funko pops as well. <laughs> Canadian tire, which is a great place. This is a place in Canada here. And it never sells toys during the year, but Christmas time, they always have an awesome Star Wars section. And I found a sweet Chase Porg pop in one of the aisles there. I was quite shocked. I was like, whoa, here we go. So <laughs> that goes down to the ABCs of collecting. It's always right. be collecting, man. Always be collecting. Always. <laughs> now more than ever. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my dude. It's time to slide over into the Marvel Universe. We spent the last couple of weeks talking Marvel. So we're just going to touch on a few of the big stories that dropped while we were reviewing those films. And one we've already kind of touched on here with this new 
Marvel TV show that is coming to the Disney streaming service sometime in 2019. Now, Marvel or Deets or sorry, Disney also made the announcement that they will be pulling their Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar, and Disney products from Netflix come 2019 to put onto their own streaming service. So one big question mark that leaves is what's going on with the MCU Netflix series? And then also what could this new Marvel series be? Now we've seen them go dark and gritty on Netflix. They've used quite a few characters there. The MCU seems to have the rights to a lot of the big characters for developing them on the film side of things. What do you think Disney or Marvel or whomever could be developing for this new series on the streaming service. It's got to be good. It's got to drive people towards it. What character do you think they could be leveraging into this? Yeah, this one's tough. You know, I got to say, um, I haven't really been into the Marvel TV division since um, Daredevil season two. Yeah. Really, like, I I appreciated Defenders and I liked it. Um, Inhumans, (sighs) You know, it's kind of put me off. Iron Fist, that kind of put me off. So I really don't know. I'm just not invested as much as I used to be. We got uh, the Runaways coming up, and we have uh, the Gifted, and then I think there's Cloak and Dagger. Cloak and Dagger, so yeah. Yeah, Marvel TV coming around. So I, I just I, my attention is not really grabbed so far. But I don't have any idea what it could be. What I want it to be is is a Blade. I'd love to have a Blade TV series. Um, give me that. That'd be cool. Make it dark, but at the same time, you could throw that with the Netflix. You know, so I just don't know what they could offer right now that's not X-Men that would really have my interest for the TV division. So, yeah, I'll I'll say right now, I guess Blade, that'd be really cool. If not, you know, I'll check it out and see what it is. But I have no idea. What about you? You got It's funny you say X-Men there because my initial thought is Fantastic Four or X-Men. Okay, cool. Okay. So you, you look at this whole rumors with Fox and all this and them trying to buy portions of it and buying back a lot of the MCU or marvel characters could they use this to develop an x-men tv series dump a bunch of money into say an eight episode arc of the x-men that is a bit more tied to the mcu we've seen how the netflix series have remained relatively isolated from the mcu and well that's not really affecting them much i don't think i think they're telling relatively good stories there they're just too long and that's one of the complaints for punisher apparently too (laughs) that drops on friday November 17th. Um, But I think that they really need to do something that pulls people in and having an X-Men or a Fantastic Four series. I'm thinking more X-Men actually with Scott Summers, Jean Grey. I know it screams cinematic, but if you do something short and dump a budget like you have for a Game of Thrones or something to that effect into eight episodes or five episodes and really develop the X-Men in this universe and use that as a jumping off point and not have to commit to doing four Marvel MCU films a year when you do, or if they do grab back the Fantastic Four and X-Men franchises, you can build that in here. So that's what I'm kind of seeing in the background when you kind of connect up some of the pieces and some of the rumors we've seen from the Disney Fox discussions and this announcement of a new streaming service. It has to be big. It has to be new. It has to be fresh. And to me, it really has to connect a bit better into the MCU for people to get really behind it. Because even like you said, Daredevil season two was epic. All that Netflix stuff was getting huge praise and that momentum has slowed a lot. People are pretty amped up about this Punisher. Like I said, I'm hearing relatively mixed reviews for it apparently john berthel is next level in his portrayal of frank castle but the story seems to drag is kind of the common 
criticism I'm seeing or I'm hearing from this new Punisher series. So if they want to spin something out in more of a Disney style, not this dark, violent, bloody sort of MCU Netflix series or tone that they've developed, and they want to do something that maybe walks a bit finer line between the Netflix and the MCU, X-Men seem to be the best characters to maybe develop there. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool, man. You know, if we could get like a Save by the Bell with mutant powers, like, <laughs> no, that's wacky. But no, I, I really would like them to just restart that whole universe of the X-Men, go right back to when they're kids and they're under the Charles Xavier house and you have a young Scott Summers and Jean Grey and Beast and Iceman and, and uh, Archangel or just Angel, I guess, at the time and just develop that story slowly yeah. and have your villains of the week and, you know, the take on the, the brotherhood. And um, I think that'd be really cool. That'd be awesome. It's just a matter of tying in the mutants with the current state of the MCU. That's, that's the tricky part. Yeah, it is. Connecting it. That's, that's the only tough part, but you know, even more interesting is um, the fantastic four. You mentioned that and that, that seems pretty cool too. You could kind of have like a, a Star Trek vibe if you, if you did the fantastic yeah, you four, where they're, you know, doing some uh, exploring across planets and, and that would be easier to connect the tissue with Fantastic Four and, and the MCU right now, I would say, especially if you go off of Mark's theory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Got me Mark's right. theory. Right. I've been thinking about rolling around my head is just sending that as a pitch to Disney, to yeah. Marvel, and just being like, just do this. Here it is. It's already done for you. All the credit to Mark, but here you go. Right. It's just done. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that for sure. So, um, yeah, it's, it's – it's, I don't. Are, are, did they mention? Are they still continuing uh, Agents of Shield, or is that a is that a wrap? Basically, so season five begins, I think, in December or January, and I'm not sure exactly if it's been renewed for a sixth season. All I know is that Disney apparently forced them to renew, or forced ABC to renew Agents of Shield for the fifth season. Okay, so that was right. a rumor I heard about that. So I don't know how long they're going to go with that. That seems to have almost a, kind of a firm end to it that seems this fifth season might be the time to wrap it up and give this characters kind of the send-off that maybe they need or deserve and maybe push colson back into the mc films not really sure what they're doing there it seems like they're integrating a bit of sword maybe into oh. this season so they're going okay. a bit more extraterrestrial Great. so that's going to be kind of exciting but yeah i think with this this streaming service and that the i agree with you the fantastic four easier to integrate in the mcu because you can do a point forward story yeah. You don't have to explain their presence like like they're kind of doing with Captain Marvel and kind of retconning a lot of it. You right. just have to say the event that changed them into you know, Johnny Storm and Mr. Fantastic and all that happens in 2019. And then you go forward with that story. And like you said, if you can get through the origins somehow and have more of like a Star Trek thing, like a space exploration, we saw the Hickman's run do a lot of that. Yes. Where they're leveraging a lot of the Fantastic Four origins and being more cosmic into that comic book. You could do the same thing here with a TV show. And I think that would be really cool, kind of expanding the cosmos. We really love yes. seeing that in Ragnarok. We love seeing that in Guardians of the Galaxy. Why not do more of it with the Fantastic Four? Absolutely. Ah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that'd that'd be awesome. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> all right man well i mentioned comic books there this is something that again we've strayed away from in the last few episodes and one thing i want to touch on here was brian michael bendis now he is a writer for marvel was a writer for marvel for the last 18 years or almost 18 years so he's put a lot of time and effort into crafting the marvel comic book universe through the major event era into the marvel now and marvel all new different and all this kind of stuff they're doing now 
but he has spent a lot of time writing a lot of characters. Now, he has made a commitment to jump over to DC sometime in 2018. The solicitations for Marvel in January of 2018 still have him writing a few of the books. Now, what are your thoughts on Bendis making this jump over to the competition? Like, we've seen him write things like Disassembled, the new Avengers line, Ultimate Spider-Man, House of M, Invincible Iron Man currently, the amazing Daredevil run he did in the early 2000s, which is basically inspired Daredevil Season 1, Alias slash Jessica Jones, and he had a lot of influence on that era in the 2000s in the build-up to Civil War, Secret Invasion. So he's had his hand in the Marvel pie for what seems like forever since I started reading comic books. Right. So how do you feel about him jumping over to DC? Ah, sad, man. Uh, it's, it's times like this when I wish um, the industry worked like um, like sports, like we could do a trade. Yeah. You know, we'll give you Bendis if you give us Scott Snyder. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that'd be awesome. But um, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. And um, I'm happy for him. He's had great runs, like everything you just listed off there. And man, I really enjoyed his his take on um, the ultimate Spider-Man when he was yes. Peter Parker and then also his introduction to Miles Morales. Uh, he's, he's been great. I liked his Iron Man run a lot uh, with the all new, all different. Really yeah. like that. Then he introduced us to Ruby Williams as well, I believe. So yes, he did. He's had a good run. And, um, you know, I, I'm both sides, right? So I like DC and Marvel. So I do look forward to seeing what he does over there at DC. But um yeah, it's it's shocking news. You know, when you um, read these comics for as long as we have been reading them, at least, and even obviously there's people that have been reading them a lot longer, uh, you really grow uh, attachments to these to these writers, and you kind of think they're always going to be at Marvel or they're always going to be at DC. But these guys, you know, they're artists and they like to expand and, and take on new stories. So uh, you know, all the best for um, for Michael Brian Bendis there, and uh, I can't wait, can't wait to see what he does. Yeah, I'm looking forward too. You know, it's, it's like you said, it's sad to see him go, and I've associated him with Marvel writing since I got into comic books. And he's responsible for some of my favorite runs and some of my favorite character adaptations. He brought Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and Daredevil, who are all adapted in the Netflix series, really to the forefront of Marvel in the 2000s. Like These are characters that had sat in the background for a long time. And so he's responsible for a lot of the big stories. And more recently, like his stuff's been good. Like he did Guardians of the Galaxy and, and kind of reiterated that and brought that back to the forefront coming off the back end of the movies. Like he said, Riri Williams. So I'm, I'm sad to see the guy go, but I'm also happy about it because it, it opens up a door now for someone else to come in and fill that, that creative champion role in Marvel and develop something a bit different and, and bring in that new blood and open up the space for the expansion and for the creativity to to go a different direction. And I'm also happy on the DC side of things because that does the same thing for them. He injects something different into DC writing, which may entice me over to DC just having his name on it. He seems primed to do something like a Justice League with his success with the Avengers or something like even like a Nightwing. That's a bit more likened to, say, your Daredevil or something to that effect where you can have a darker comic book and... It just seems like the right fit, and it seems like a good time. Like 18 years is almost a lifetime, right? Like you only can tell so many stories with the same characters without feeling like you're being repetitive. He's written almost every character in the Marvel comic book universe, and it's time. It's time for him to do something different, and I'm excited for it. I'm, you know, like you said, all the best to Bendis, and I hope what he does over at DC entices me over to maybe read some Justice League and and pump some new life into that comic book. Yeah, yeah, because I dropped that book after six issues going into Rebirth. That's probably <laughs> been my, my, the, the biggest letdown for me in this whole Rebirth run. But, um, yeah, I'd love to see him, his take on, on Justice League or um, 
a Nightwing would be cool, um, and as well Superman. Even though Superman's good right now, but I think Brian Bendis uh, on on Superman would be just awesome. Yeah. Ah, man. Lots of exciting stuff. And one of the exciting things that we just got finished reviewing is Thor Ragnarok. Now, you can go check out our episode, episode 93, where we talk in a great amount of detail about Thor Ragnarok. We had a lot of fun doing that discussion. And it's a movie that I'm planning on going and seeing again if I have the opportunity to check it out. Maybe I'll slide over and not see Justice League this week and go see Ragnarok again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm only kidding, but I just want to touch quickly on the box office for Thor Ragnarok. Now, it ticked over $200 million domestically, which puts it past Thor and Thor the Dark World's total domestic runs, which is a very impressive feat. In two weeks, Thor Ragnarok has out-earned both of its predecessors in that franchise. So Thor Ragnarok, like I'm saying, we've been saying for a while, this only pushes for Thor 4. Like, I think we need it at this point. Oh, yeah, I agree. I would love to see uh, Taika's take on another Ragnarok or another Thor. Just keep going with it, man, because it's it's great. I'm loving it. I actually went back and read uh, Jason Aaron's run on Thor, the first two volumes, because, man, I'm in that Thor mode right now, for sure. Awesome. So do you think this is going to catch Homecoming's $334 million domestically? You know, I would have said so if it wasn't for Justice League. You're Justice right. Justice League yeah. is going to slow it down. It's definitely going to slow it down a lot more than Planet of the Apes slowed down uh, Spidey. Yeah. So um, if it wasn't for that, I would say it would have. But yeah, I don't yeah, think Yeah, so. I agree with you. I don't think it's going to catch it either. I think it's going to yeah. have like that $300 million domestic run, which is superb for a film that I think did 216 for The Dark World. So you're seeing an uptick. And like you said with Taika, we, we, we kind of praised him all last week in our review, but he seems to have a bit of this James Gunn-esque hold on Thor now, where he is now the man responsible for shepherding this character into a new era and kind of really taking hold of the creative development of Thor. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a producer credit or some input into this character for Infinity War and kind of pulling through that new status quo. So yeah, immensely excited. I'm glad we're seeing the success of this. You're right. It's going to get trounced by Justice League this weekend. <laughs> but at the same time, it's one of those films that I'm hoping kind of runs through into the holidays. And it's kind of after the Last Jedi chaos subsides that I can go back and have a good laugh with uh, Thor Ragnarok there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And as we almost just right off the heels of Thor Ragnarok, Marvel already seems to be shifting gears into their new hero that will be debuting in february 2018 now that's a black panther we saw him in a cameo or an extended cameo role in civil war very well received there we've seen the trailers for this we've gushed about it but they dropped a whole ton of character posters funko pop images and legend images so what are you thinking on these new character posters that really focus in on what appears to be just a superb cast of actors and actresses yeah this is great this is the best marketing uh that we've seen uh, apart from the trailer for this movie i, I haven't liked any of the posters really no. that they've given us but these posters are awesome these are some of the best individual character posters i've seen it's it's great man his costume looks cool uh my boy michael b jordan that, oh, that you showed yeah. me his image killmonger looks great and i'm loving that the colors the tone of everything here just it looks good this looks like a this movie is just gonna kill it it's gonna kill it man i can't wait to see it yeah you're right in the colors too like this juxtaposition of what looks more like this traditional african attire with this technologically advanced society 
yeah. it, it all works. Like you could have really stepped in the wrong direction with this and it would have looked funny. But when you're yeah. looking at these character posters, every character is a standout. And the female cast in this is probably one of the best we've seen, if not the best in an MCU. There's so many strong female characters in this film, and I'm hoping they get their due in the film as well. I hope they're not just kind of on screen for here and there. We know there's a love interest, but we know we have Suri, who looks like to be kind of like a younger Tony Stark. We've got Aoki, I think that's how you say her name, which is one of the Dora Milaje, Michonne from The Walking Dead. And uh, what's her name? Uh, Black Panther's mother. Oh, Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett, yes. She looks great. Who's been a fan favorite? Everybody wanted her to play uh, Thor back in the 90s. Or not Thor. uh, Storm back in the 90s. But man, I'm glad she's in the Marvel Universe and she's going to kill it. She's a great actress. Oh, yeah. And like you said, Michael B. Jordan. This this villain, or whatever you want to call him, Mm. he looks fantastic. You've got the Golden Jaguar, whatever he's going to be, that suit. And this guy, I really, really hope he gets like a Loki arc where he stays within this franchise longer than just this movie. I hope he's not just a one and done character because from the trailers, from these images and from like, I'm with you. I'm a big fan of everything Michael B. Jordan does. Sure. And oh man, this movie is something else. And then we got the Funko pops and we got these legends. What do you think of the legends line? We've got Eric Killmonger. We've got black Panther. We've got Nakia, which is, I believe the love interest of Black Panther in the film. And then we've also got the Build-A-Figure, which is Oki. I, I can't, I'm not, I'm not saying that right, but it's it's Michonne. I can't, I can't remember the actress's name. I'm really effing this up, but <laughs> it's a normal size, standard size Marvel legend that is acting as a Build-A-Figure in the same sense that we had Mantis for the Guardians of the Galaxy. Right, yeah, no, um, the legends looks okay. I I'm still do prefer... Um, Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther costume from Civil War, yeah, more than it's this one. Bulkier. It's yes, exactly, it, and it's, and it still has like the, the ears are a little different; they're more pointy, and I like that look a bit better. Killmonger, I'm definitely gonna grab. I'll probably grab obviously the Iron Man because there's an Iron Man that comes out with this wave. Invincible Iron Man, yeah, from the Bendis line. Yeah, from the Bendis line, and then there's um, another repack basically of uh, Namor. So yeah. Black a couple of there. Oh, yeah, and Black Bolt. Yeah, yeah, which I'll probably pass on that one, actually. Yep. So <laughs> there's a couple in there I'm going to grab. It's not my favorite-looking Marvel Legends line. Um, I was more excited over the Thor line than this one. But there's a couple must-haves in there for sure. I'm not really satisfied, like you mentioned, too, with the uh, Build-A-Figure. I thought it would have been cool if they had given us, like, a white gorilla. Somebody somebody cool that's bigger. outside of... Somebody that's bigger, right? Someone yes. that's outside of uh, the movie and back to the comics even. Yeah, because we've gotten in the past kind of these oversized figures like Hulkbuster and the Gladiatorial Hulk we've got in the last line. So I agree with you. I don't like they're not doing something a bit more large scale for the Build-A-Figure. And the other thing that I've mentioned this in the past too is this combination of comic book and film waves. I'd almost prefer them to do, even if they did a Ragnarok and Black Panther film wave, the two movies kind of back to back, and did just pure comic book waves, I'd like that more because I find if I want to get the Build-A-Figure for these, if it was something that I would be chasing, I'm not particularly focused in on the comic book characters for Legends, just trying to kind of balance out the collecting. I don't really want a Black Bolt. I don't particularly need this Invincible Iron Man. And the Neymar, sure, whatever. Like These aren't characters that I, I really want in my collection at this point. I'm really focused in on MCU Legends. So having these split lines with the build of figures crossing through both the comic book and the film figures. Like it's a strategy for, I guess, selling them. But 
at the same time, like you look at the Guardians wave they've done, they're pretty much all Guardians MCU figures for the most part. And I'd like to see more of that in the Legends line. I don't think we're ever going to get there, but I think it'd be cool if you had a full Black Panther wave or a full Guardians wave instead of two separate waves that are both comic and film in each wave. Yeah, even keep it MCU. Like if you were to do, say, this Black Panther line and then you went back and gave us like Thor the Dark World, someone that we never had, and just give us one Thor from that movie. Yeah, or like Heimdall or something. Exactly, because, we, you know, these Marvel Legends have stepped up so much that we kind of miss things like Thor 1, Thor 2, Marvel Legends. I think I don't think we really had proper Marvel Legends for them. So if you just took one of those characters or Odin or someone, popped it in there, that would have been kind of cool. But. Yeah, because even with the Civil War line, we, we saw them do something really weird, is that you remember they dropped that Falcon and Bucky yep. in as walmart exclusives and you were able to find them for the both of us Mm -hmm. and then they had the civil war line that had black panther cap and iron man i believe and the build a figure was ant-man giant man Man, and then they had a few combo characters and then about three or four months later they reissued that line with the reissue of the build a figures with the scarlet witch falcon and bucky so you had a full civil war line but i had already gone out and bought the comic book based figures to get the Ant-Man build a figure. So I was quite right. disappointed that they did that and didn't just drop a pure civil war line. Exactly. And to me, that's the way to go. I don't know if you get more people, but you, if you split them into two even smaller waves, you don't alienate one crowd or the other, right? If you're collect both, you're going to get both lines. If you don't, you have the ability to pick and choose as you please. So that's kind of what I want to see with Marvel legends going forward, because like I said, it's it's not like Star Wars where I'm grabbing every single Black Series. It's more of a pick and choose and a really focused in on the MCU line. So a bit of a nitpick there, and that's something I'd like to see that I don't think is ever going to happen. But Hasbro, if you're listening, maybe skew a little bit towards that side. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yes. man. Well, this week, I guess on Thursday, as this episode is dropping, we're going to go see Justice League. Now, this is the first time we're seeing this crew assemble, if you can use that word, on the big screen. We had our first kind of iteration, slight iteration of it, with Batman vs. Superman. Now, this is a film that has had somewhat of a tumultuous production, somewhat of a tumultuous path into theaters with Zack Snyder taking a lot of heat from Batman vs. Superman as they're going into pre-production of this film you had him step away because of the tragedy within his own life and joss whedon step in to reshoot and repackage this a little bit and the what i'm hearing now is about 20 percent of the film was reshot so the majority of snyder's original vision is maintained within this film now we talked at the top about our anticipation levels going into this but a couple things i want to touch on before actually going into the film and to get our thoughts out before we actually review this film is what do you think the justice league needs to be to be successful both financially and for the fan base they need to get people like myself i would say back on to the dc side of things and for me it's not going to take a whole hell of a lot because as you mentioned before wonder woman was a great step in the right direction if they can maintain that quality of storytelling of that character development within this film and just have a shroud of light a shroud of happiness of of, you know someone can smile in this film and have a little bit of that humor a little bit more of that comedic take that i myself enjoy a bit more 
I think this film can really be successful. There's a lot of good characters. There's good actors that seem to be relatively attached to these roles. I'm going to say relatively because we will get into a piece about Ben Affleck a little bit later. (laughs) But there seems to be some good elements within this film. And what do you think they need to pull this thing together and actually propel the DC extended universe into something of a level that is likened to the MCU? Oh, okay. Yeah, for sure. I would say fun. Yes. <laughs> they, they need fun and they need direction. They, they have the vision, but they need direction. This has to lead to somewhere. We need a build up towards something. This is the Justice League. So we're there, but we need to, we need to have a plan going forward after this. Not just like, okay, we made it to the Justice League and let's see what happens. We need to have a plan going all the way back from, um, basically they should have had a plan going back from BVS. So, but they need, there needs to be fun with these characters. I feel like BVS was pretty wishy-washy i mean you did have batman and he's not necessarily like um a happy go lucky character but you do have superman and you don't need superman to be like batman when he's kind of down and out so yeah moby moby superman right but um no i am looking forward to this film and i think they can do it i i I believe they can do it it's just a, a matter of them doing it and just just having everything all their ducks in a row we'll have to wait and see yeah, yeah like so I was watching a hockey game, a couple of hockey games last weekend with a couple of buddies, and we had had a few beers in that, and they were promoing a lot of the Justice League throughout the games. And again, this is slightly <laughs> alcohol-induced, but I'm sitting there talking with my friends, and I'm thinking, man, this doesn't look good. Like, <laughs> I, I know, I know I skew way to the other side, and like I said, I'm trying to go in unbiased, but... It just doesn't, it didn't have the feel that some of the trailers before did for me. They, they've played a lot with the CGI, and I'm worried about that aspect of it. I, I think I can get on board with what they're going to do with the characters in this film. But my problem is, when you have the characters standing in front of the CGI mess, it has a tendency to take me out of the film. And that's my biggest worry going to this, is that you're going to see a lot of good even like Zack Snyder, like he has an idea of who these characters need to be. You layer in a bit of Joss Whedon into this. I think you can have good character development, character interaction. But if you're constantly taken out of each and every scene by what's going on in the background, it's going to really hurt the film. Like I criticized that even with Ragnarok in the scene with Odin, Thor, and Loki is that the CGI didn't look good. The background really took me out of things. And I'm worried about that here. Do you, are you getting that same sort of vibe from the pre or from the promos from the tv spots and that or are you relatively comfortable with what you're seeing from a cgi perspective um for the most part i'm okay the, the thing that ticks me out the most is, is cyborg his cgi is it's looked horrible and it hasn't looked any better you know i kept hearing the excuse well it's still early it's still early well we're here now and it still doesn't look very good it looks pretty bad so that worries me a little bit. Um, the background, we mentioned it before, I think when we were doing the trailer discussion yeah. of, uh, of the Justice League, the new background where it's like now red. Yes. That's, see that color palette that they've switched there? That kind of worries me, unless if it's meant to be um, uh, Apocalypse or Dark Side. I think you know, it's the planet. supposed to be that. Yeah, so then that, then that would kind of make sense. But um, either than that, it looks okay. It still has that, that um, Zack Snyder like hue going on, though, a little definitely. bit, right? It definitely does have that, so... That kind of worries me. It worked for me in Man of Steel. Didn't work for me in BBS. So he's one and one right now. We'll see how it works in this one. Yeah, so the the thing with this film too is that 
usually when we do kind of these these short preludes and that now we've trimmed this one down a bit because we had so much news to get through but we usually have early reviews to go off of yeah and there's none of that with this film yet the review embargo is lifted at about 2 a.m on wednesday morning so by the time this episode drops there will be the early reviews and we'll we'll see the critic reviews up on rotten tomatoes which is what we usually use to take the temperature of critics now there was some speculation that they pushed this as late as possible because they were worried about the reception from the critics and how that would affect the fandom and how that affect the common moviegoer going into this because that really weighed heavy on Batman vs Superman. Is the critical response and fan response was so poor that you saw a dramatic drop off in the second week, even though it pulled in 166 million dollars and it's opening weekend. So they want to avoid that initial bias going into the film with Justice League if it's not received well. So I don't know if they've gotten initial indication that it's not great or if they're just holding off in anticipation of what is usually more of a heavy hand by critics towards the DC Extended Universe. It seems like a lot of people expect more out of them and when they don't deliver, they're hit a lot harder. And I'm I'm very much guilty of that. <laughs> So what's your what's your take on this review embargo not being lifted until almost just the day before we go see it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's to do with like all the talk going on with Thor right now. And they don't want that to get crowded. Yeah. I don't know. That's 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 wishful thinking. I, I really don't know what they're trying to do if they're trying to cover up this. I think they had something. I think Wonder Woman was kind of similar too. I think it's kind of a similar case. Except okay. Wonder Woman turned out to be a lot better. But, um, I mean, all there is really right now is I think there's a very few selected people that have uh, reactions, really. Yeah. That's really about it. And they've all yeah. been relatively positive. I scrolled through some on Twitter today, and most people are saying that, you know, it's it's far better than Batman vs. Superman. There are issues with the CGI and the CGI villain. But overall, the story is quite well-crafted, and the characters are real standouts. And some people are even comparing it like, it's better than Avengers. Now, I don't really think we're going to get there, personally. No. Uh, again, I have a big bias towards the Avengers, but all I'm hoping for this overall is I'm going to try to go in open mind, unbiased, and just try to enjoy the film for what it is. Yeah. And it's meant to be a comic book adaptation of the Justice League. And all I can hope is that there is a cohesive narrative through it. The characters are fun. And I really think the standouts here are going to be Aquaman and Wonder Woman. I'm really, really pulling for those two, being that they're the next two that are coming out with their own individual solo films. So if they shine in, in this film, it'll make me look more forward to their individual standalone films going forward in the DC Extended Universe. Yeah, yeah. Aquaman's won me over. He, he looks great. Everything I've seen from him in the trailers has been awesome. Um, unfortunately... Cyborg's been lost. He's been lost in the sauce. No one's no one's really cares about Cyborg <laughs> in this in this whole mess. I, I know some people still like Flash. Flash hasn't won me over either no, yet. I'm not he has there a yet lot either. To, yeah, he has a lot to prove. I, I still like Grant Gustin from the CW, and I just none of his humors work for me so far. And um, Wonder Woman, I'm, she's going to be great. They've really been leading the trailer strong with her at the forefront. So uh, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think those two will be the standout. Yeah, because Wonder Woman was officially con confirmed. Eh, Wonder Woman two this past week with the release date actually pulled up to november 1st 2019 to step away from star wars episode 9 so as we had kind of discussed before there's no way anything's kicking around star wars and wonder woman smartly pulled up the release date to give that a lot of breathing room away from what's going to be the conclusion of this new saga story so i'm happy to see that patty jenkins that gal gadot are back on board with this because there was a bit of conjecture there because they're 
quite upset that Brett Ratner, Brett Ratner, sorry, was on board in some capacity with Wonder Woman, whether it was producing or something, because of the allegations against him. So they've canned that dude from oh, yeah. yeah the DC Extended Universe. Yeah. He's gone. And then both of them signed on to this. So I'm happy we have the creative team back in place, Gal Gadot, and also that we're going to get this quite a bit separated from Star Wars Episode Nine. Now, the other piece of news that we'll touch on here before we wrap up this discussion of Justice League is Ben Affleck as Batman. So doing some press for Justice League, he did make a statement that he wants to find himself a cool segue out of the character. Now, that's the character that he's had or he's portrayed or will have portrayed by the end of this week twice, I guess 2.1 times, if you include his appearance in Suicide Squad, in this universe, and he already wants out. Now, this is out of that Matt Reeves film that he was originally slated to write and direct and star in. He left the directing chair, he left the writing chair, and now he's looking for a way to get out of this character in its entirety. What do you think that says about... Ben Affleck's Batman in Justice League. I don't want to try to make too many connections here and try to strain this statement from Ben Affleck, but it kind of worries me that he either doesn't like the creative direction that the Batman solo film's going, or he's already grown fatigued of portraying this character, of being in this universe. Like, you look at Downey, you look at Hemsworth, Evans, these guys have been in this universe for almost a decade. And they don't show any signs of slowing down. He's been in it for two and a half movies or 2.1 movies, if you want to call it that. And he's already looking to exit. Like, I don't want this to be a piss on Justice League (laughs) or Batman, but it is a curious statement to put out a week before the next big DC Extended Universe film drops. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I've been saying it, man. I've been saying it for all along for quite a while um, since we first got whispers that he wanted out. And, you know, it's it's not a coincidence when we had um, Comic-Con. There was um, some reports that Ben Affleck's done, and yeah. remember, and he came out there being like, "No, I want to be Batman forever," and I, I wasn't believing it. I, I, I didn't believe at all those statements that he made there at uh, at that junket at Comic Con, and here we are now, and he's even there's an interview even last week I think he mentioned too where yeah. he couldn't give a proper answer when he wants to play Batman for the next two films. He didn't want to talk about it, and now here he is today, or. I guess well when you hear this, it'll be a couple of days before um, he wants a, a nice segue out of the position of the role of, of Batman. And I, I think I mentioned too, you know, with the, um, with the flashpoint movie coming out that that to me would make the most sense to kind of transition, you know, the Batman that we know as Ben Affleck to a younger Batman. Cause you could restart that universe with a younger Batman. Yeah. I think it's too early to hand the mantle from him to Nightwing, uh, Dick Grayson, as much as I love that character, this Batman hasn't been established enough to hand the mantle down to him so I, st- I think you can just recast you just recast it's no big deal but i do like this batman like ben affleck's my favorite batman so it sucks like i don't i don't want this to happen but it, it is gonna happen he, he is out i believe and um it's really a bad choice of words for him to mention right now you know days before the justice league because now here we are talking about this as opposed to talking more justice league right that's that's what it does exactly it yeah. puts a little bit of a dampener on what his character whose character could be in the justice league is he unhappy with how it turned out is he worried right. about the reaction that they got from batman versus superman because we saw how much that affected him in that sad <laughs> affleck meme that is yeah. still on the internet right so he seems to be worried about how he's seen how he is viewed in the justice league i even saw one of the reshoot comparisons between Ben Affleck in that scene with Aquaman, Aquaman, if you want, however you want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks dramatically different 
between the two. He's a lot skinnier and a lot more fit in the original shooting with Zack Snyder than he is with the reshoots with Joss Whedon. So he's gone through some personal stuff in his life and all that, and we're not going to touch on any of that. But right. it's it's it is a shame because he has one of the standout scenes in Batman vs Superman. I agree with you. He's a good Batman. He's he's he, he portrays a character. We've got some good stuff from him. Not all good stuff, but I think there is potential there for a really dark solo film from this character and from Ben Affleck. I think outside of the constraints of the Justice League and Superman and Wonder Woman, putting him back into a solo franchise would really benefit this character at this point. And I don't know how he's going to come off in Justice League. I hope well. But I guess we're going to have to wait and see as to what happens with this pedestal character, with this character that should be driving forward like an Iron Man or like a Captain America in the MCU, should be driving this universe forward. This is a character that they've leveraged since 1989 or since 1966, even if you want to call it that. That's true. Um, but but what if we have it the wrong way? Do you think maybe maybe it's Warner Brothers? Maybe Warner Brothers wants Ben out as opposed to Ben. Because, you know, I think with um, Robert Downey Jr. is different. Like, he was... He's playing hardball basically for the you know for the position of Iron Man. Like he he married to Iron Man three and then he's playing hardball. He wanted more money and Marvel, you know, gave him the money because yeah because he's the man right. Like you really couldn't replace him. But here you could replace Batman effortlessly. Do you think it's just DC Warner Brothers? It's just like they want him out. It, Who knows? It could be you. You know, I haven't yeah. really thought of it from that perspective, but they could be looking for someone that seems a bit more committed to the franchise. They could be looking for someone that like a Robert Downey Jr. that they have for 10 years for that. He's in Downey. He's, he keeps saying, ah, maybe I'm done, but then he shows up in the next four or five movies. Exactly. Like, he shows no signs of quitting. And maybe they want that sort of commitment out of their Batman. Someone that they could throw in a movie every three years, but also halfway through that, throw them in a team up film with flash or someone. Right. Yeah. So they're, they're probably looking for someone that has that commitment level. That's not always looking for an off ramp in this character. They need to sign someone up that maybe has like Downey has that creative involvement in how to progress the character. So there's a lot they could do with someone new, some fresh blood coming into this. And like you said, with flashpoint, you could go Thomas Wayne, you could go Dick Grayson, you could go Batman beyond if you really want. So there's a lot of avenues to exit this character out more or less gracefully and not have this be a big sticking point in the universe. You can just have Bruce Wayne die or whatever, disappear and bring in someone new and still have that character of Batman, but tell a different story with a different style of Batman. Right. Yeah. So, well, I could do there. Let's, let's wrap this discussion up of justice league here. Actually, cool. let's throw down our box office predictions, something that we always do before the films and let's see where we land. We're not really throwing much on the table here, but I say we throw a beer, commit Sanjay to it. <laughs> And just to normalize our prediction here, Batman vs. Superman came in at $166 million domestically, Wonder Woman 103, and Suicide Squad at 133. Now, Sanjay did send me over his prediction. He's predicting this is going to land at $155 million domestically in its opening weekend. Ooh. Now, with all of that in mind, where are you going to predict Justice League dropping? What is it going to take in its first weekend at the box office? He said 153, eh? 155. Okay, I'm, I'm going 150. 150? Going 150, yeah. Okay, this seemed to work out for you with Ragnarok because you kind of <laughs> yeah. went between. I have it at 145. So That's I'm going good. on the low end That's of this. Good. You're in the middle. Sanjay's in the high end. So we'll As see always. where this lands. I'm, I'm, I think it's going to do less than Batman versus Superman. There's still quite so. a few people 
that have been soured by this universe. But then you have this momentum building from Wonder Woman as well. So we could be on the lower end of this even. This could really surprise if the word of mouth once this review banner embargo is lifted later on this evening and it gets great praise. Everything I've heard, though, is that it's okay to good. It doesn't stand out as the best comic book film of all time, but it's also maybe not Batman versus Superman. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we have um, Punisher comes out that day. Yeah. And we have the Star Wars game, Battlefront, comes out that day. So And Ragnarok <laughs> in the theater still. I mean, Ragnarok's still in the theater, so so who knows? I mean, there are going to be those odd people that want to watch Punisher yeah. over this movie. So well, we'll Definitely. see. We will we'll see. see. And we're going to be back best. next week, episode 95, reviewing Justice League. Sanjay will be back at the table. And like I mentioned at the top, we're going to have our man, Rob Cast joining us yes. in the nerd room to balance out the scales here and to give us his perspective on the Justice League. So make sure you guys tune in next week to hear our thoughts on Justice League. Like I said, I'm going to try to do this with an unbiased opinion and go <laughs> in this as fresh as possible. No promises, though. Anyways, if you guys would like to be part of the show, you can always email us at thenerdrm at gmail.com. You can leave a comment on our Facebook or YouTube page. You can always grab us on Twitter. Our handles are at the end of the episode, except for Troy's because he changed it to Troy, <laughs> the last boy. I've yet to change that in our outro. <laughs> and you can always hit us up at thenerdroom.net. You can check out our articles there that bring a little bit more detail to the things that we don't get a chance to discuss here and elaborate on some of the things that we do, which does include, I threw up the Black Panther posters, the pops and the figures and all that. So you can go check out the images of things we discuss right here on the podcast. Well, my man, it's been absolutely fantastic talking through some of this news and getting ready for Justice League. I'm looking forward to sitting down the theater with you guys. Early showing, 6 p.m. on Thursday. It's going to be a ton of fun. And like I said, we're going to be back here next week talking all the details of Justice League. Can't wait. Yeah. So, until then, man, for The Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And thank you for entering The Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay, on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sunjabby. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim Podcast, and San Diego Sabers. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.